0: Welcome into to another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Troy Rawlings. Troy is a former pitcher at the University of Washington. He was the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. Troy has a, a great story, though, because he was a high school player who, who committed to a school, a pretty big-time school, verbally committed, and they actually took his offer away. They pulled his offer um, without actually him even knowing it at the time. And so, you know, you, we hear a lot about these type of things in recruiting now and Troy actually lived it persevered through it and like i said he ended up becoming Pac12 pitcher of the year so it's a great story and Troy has has a lot of a lot of good content coming your way he has a program called t raw holistic which is something that he'll talk a little bit about in this episode what it's it's a holistic approach to developing players and that he's he's been working on right now so this is a great episode it's something that you know we hear a lot of about in the recruiting world and and troy lived it firsthand One of the the ways that that this podcast is going to continue to grow and to be able to help more players and more coaches and parents is by word of mouth. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you've gotten value out of the podcast – please share it with somebody because that's how this thing is, is going to grow faster than anything else. So if you've gotten some, some sort of value out of the podcast, please share it with just one person. That's how we're going to get this word out and be able to help more players and coaches across the country and, quite frankly, world. So hope you enjoy this one with Troy Rawlings. Make sure to share this episode with somebody. Troy, appreciate you coming on the show today, man.
1: What's going on? Oh, my man, how's it going, Patrick? I'm Great doing well, doing well.
0: How is uh, how's California? What have you been up to?
1: Oh, it's beautiful, man. Um, really doing a lot in uh, business development, but I run um the San Diego program, so just you know travel ball stuff, but you know working in player development at facilities, things like that um i've got a lot of my guys on like a nutrition weightlifting protocol nutrition's kind of like always been my kind of my niche or like my like a little bit of a lane so kind of opening the door for some guys and getting great results and just um yeah focused on giving back to the game you know
0: what about business development what what exactly are you doing with that
1: um, so I just launched a new company, um, T-Raw Holistic Baseball. So we're getting ready to launch a summit on November 1st. Uh, it's called the Holistic Baseball Training Summit. You're on it, obviously. Uh, we're yes. we're it's, it's 21 interviews on experts revealing different ways to become more recruitable. So like things like your regular routines, like your daily routines, um, your nutrition, your mindset, your like basically looking at all your activity levels, like what you believe. Um that all different like the x-factor ways on how to become more, more recruitable and also training tools you know so yeah it's super exciting
0: what made you want to get into that I mean I, I know you we will get into maybe your career in a little bit but why sure. why why did you want to stay in baseball and, and continue to
1: coach and develop and and just help players get recruited oh man to be honest with you uh, when I got done playing I wanted to be as far away from baseball as I possibly could it was like you know, I played for 20 years, I blew out my elbow at the very end of it. And I was bitter, man, it felt like the only thing I I can reason with, and I've never been married, but it would feel like I was married to the game for 20 years. And then she left and broke my heart and took everything. And now I'm here trying to figure it out, you know, and and that was the position that I was in. Um, And then, you know, got... got myself not myself right you know had a had an encounter with god and you know really start started getting led like okay no like i'm supposed to coach i'm supposed to stay involved with baseball um so yeah that's really where it came from of i didn't i i had no intention on on coaching that was not something i desired to do but it really i was called to it so so you've been in the travel travel baseball scene yeah um so and really what I think that is about, if it were up to me, I would be more in the player development only side and a lot more focused on just training individuals. Um, but what I see is that, you know, everybody knows the reputation that the travel ball industry has, right? Like it's, it's a dirty business. Kids get overused. There's a ton of problems guys. You know, it's, um, I don't want to say it's all about the money but it's it just travel ball has a bad reputation with parents with you know the the showcase tournament scene it's 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 a little bit of a racket but um, I believe that that can change and I believe that the rat like the scene of travel ball because whether we like it or not that is where youth baseball is at right now right rec leagues are dead Um, all-star teams are a joke and that's not really the way that the industry goes. So instead of just like complaining about the industry, I think it's important that, um, the right people are called into that industry to be able to change it. What are some ways that
0: you feel like you can help change it? And then maybe what are some ways that, that everyone else can help too?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the important thing is that I, that, us as an organization with Canes focus on is at least in our chapter. What, is what
0: organization it? is it?
1: Canes. Uh, so, Kane's? okay which is it, it's it's awesome to be a part of the biggest you know name name brand in travel baseball, um, and we're able to at least for me and our organization in San Diego, the focus is on character development. You know, it is about winning and losing, and you need to. It is about winning, and you need to learn how to win but it's learning how to win the right way. It's learning, okay, how do I, how do I respond? How do I become a good teammate? Hey, How do I become a good teammate when I I don't practice with this person every day for six months? You know, how do I build a relationship? How do I respond when umpires are going crazy or a tournament or parents in the stands or all the ugly things, right? Really focusing on that character development. And then two, it's, um, A big focus on looking out for, I know for me, um, having had injuries, a lot of it's like, hey, let's monitor workload here. Let's figure out, okay, we're not just running kids in the ground so that we could just get in as many tournaments and collect as many trophies and all of that, you know, like we have to be able to see the long game and sometimes you just need tournament reps and we need to go out there and play and we need to get better instead of. I mean, there's a season, right? It, like the summer season and travel is like, okay, it's, it's time to win. It's time to go bring home this, that, and this. Or when you look at the high school program, hey, the summer and fall are really big for getting recruited. And then in the winter, we need, to sh- we need to shut it down. We shut a lot of our high school guys down or at least drastically lower the workload during the winter. Otherwise, they end up in this cycle where they're playing 11 to 12 months out of the year and they never get a break. And if you do that for three, four years, right? By the time you get to high school and you're a junior, your velocity starts to fall, your body starts breaking down. You never took any time. Even pro guys, there's a there's a handful of pro guys that you know that that train and throw, particularly throwing that throw year round, but a lot of them take a month or two off and let let it rest and then on ramp the right way. So are you are you a head coach with in one of the teams or are you just
0: oversee different part gr- of
1: yeah, I'm a, I'm a director. You're their director. Yeah. Director, so di-
0: what's what's your title?
1: Uh, director of player development. Director uh, of development. Re- recruiting director, that sort of thing. Uh, okay. But yeah, I work primarily with pitching, but then kind of oversee how our organization runs as a whole.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure I'm going back to what you were just talking about with with pitching all year round, throwing all year round. I'm sure that's more of an issue where you're at, being being in California, right, where it's nice and warm out. I mean, I'm in Ohio, so there's really, really it's hard to play year around when it's, you know, 20 degrees outside, but I'm sure that's probably an issue that you encounter out in California where you can play all year around 12 months if you want to.
1: You can. And if you look at the numbers, um I don't have the study off the top of my head, but you look at the numbers, the guys from colder climates, by the time they get to the big leagues, have a significantly lower rate of wow. Tommy John surgery and labrum surgeries. Wow. Because they 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 are forced to be in a position where you can train indoors, but you're not playing outside and you're not competing in games that are higher stress levels. And you know, when it comes to that, I'm a big believer in hey, we got to monitor stress. Rather than pitch count, right? It's not just a, a number thing. We have to find a way to. There's a big difference between a, a 70 pitch outing where it's in three innings and you have runners on base the entire time and you're in three ball counts and you're like constantly struggling versus like, hey, I threw seven, I threw 90 pitches, a hundred, even a hundred pitches, but I was cruising through the whole game.
0: So, how yeah. do you monitor that?
1: <sighs> Man. It's difficult, right? Because we're in a day and age of rapsotos Modus, Modus sleeves, the tech, all of it. Right. And it's really finding a blend. We, we do a lot of that stuff and we are regularly tracking velocities. And when you start to see later in the game, a guy's velocity really drastically dip more than say two miles an hour. Um, that's a good indicator, but I think that's what it is. You still have to have, again, it goes back to being relational and there's a, In the day in in our current day of high tech, which I'm a big fan of, right? You look at certain organizations like the Orioles, it's changed the way that they go about things now. I know that's your an organization you used to coach with, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you have no tech in the big leagues, you have a problem. However, when you have all tech, you're missing the intuitive side of the game and the relational side where you're like, "Mm, my eyes tell me that kid's getting tired. He might think he's good or whatever. Like he's wearing down. Yeah. It's,
0: it's definitely an advantage to probably come up as a, as a coach without the tech and then be able to, to utilize your eyes and be able to process everything and use that as your, your, your kind of your data. And then once you, once the tech has gotten here, like if you have a growth mindset, you know, then you can kind of, Oh, this is why, you know, Uh this makes sense and kind of combine the two and, Um, you know, I feel like for us at, you know, the age we're at, we kind of, we didn't necessarily have it as much as players, but I I feel like once we started coaching, it was right. It was already right there. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting to have the tech and, and, you know, go back and forth with it, but I a hundred percent agree with you. It is so relational and Mm -hmm. uh, the human element is, is real. And, and, and I think the most important things in coaching, you can't quantify, which I think is, is very frustrating To billion dollar organizations and just a lot of people in general um but it's tough dude i mean you can't like how do you quantify chemistry right i mean right it's real right and i think that's a when i think of when i think of big league managers and, I, and their role, I think that chemistry is a big part of it and, and the clubhouse and all that type of stuff. And so it's hard. You, I don't know how you necessarily put a number on wins and losses, how many wins are responsible because you have to take into consideration all that stuff. But it is an interesting topic. I don't know if, if you could ever you know, find a way to be able to quantify some of those metrics, but you probably be worth a lot of money.
1: That's that's a billion dollar idea. If you can quantify things like momentum, if you can quantify character, if you can quantify, you know, the intangibles or the immeasurables in baseball. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Where where do you
0: uh, where do you think travel baseball is going in the next three to five years?
1: Hmm. At least in California. Right. A lot of it is. That's an interesting question. Um, Perfect games moving in. But what I see is California and especially along the West coast, it's been, it's been the wild West for a long time. Right. And what I mean by that is a lot of say mom and pop travel ball organizations that maybe have a good player here, a good player there. And with, you know, with us, with Canes, we're under the parent organization, Canes West, who's had, um, well over a hundred kids in the last two years commit to different colleges, which is huge. So when you have when you have a one a brand name that people recognize and two um, people with that high level of connection, you start to see the higher end players moving more into the bigger name travel ball organizations, and I think a lot of it gets more consolidated, which is great for the players because it gives them an opportunity like there's not going to be this oh this kid doesn't get seen or this kid does you know like yeah if you're with a smaller local organization that like okay we've played together since we were 12 since we were eight and we're going to play high school together right those are awesome for chemistry and relationship building and all of those things um but there's a there's a limitation on you know a dad or even a former player that's a coach for a small travel ball team versus a bigger organization that has a ton of pull nationwide and connections that can really help kids get into school and what i would say the challenge for us is um blending and making sure that the the family feel stays in the big corporate travel ball setting right so it's it's about establishing a culture that feels like family that is very relational within a larger organization
0: Mm. that's gonna be tough to do
1: it's difficult it's difficult but it starts with it starts with small groups it starts with um establishing us um for us establishing individual relationships with players um and then really you know i do a lot of um i spend a lot of my time looking at okay how do um, how do big organizations build? Like, how do you build culture? How how, how have people successfully built culture? How does, um, God, I'm, I'm skipping on his name right now, um, the coach for the Spurs. Oh, Popovich. Popovich. How does that guy build culture? Because he doesn't necessarily have a big superstar. You know, I'm reading a book called Culture Code right now that that talks a lot about that, of how do you build that level of culture with, you know, high-end personalities, right? When you have guys that are making hundred million dollars right how do you get those guys to all work and gel together as a team and not just focus on themselves which we yeah. do that at a smaller level but yeah totally
0: no and that's that's a tough task in and of itself is be able to to do that so so you're you know the, you're the director of, of player development and and recruiting, recruiting. How, how are how are you got? how are you helping kids get recruited are you educating them on social media and how to use it like what what are some of the things that you're doing to help get their name out and get them recruited
1: you know that's that's actually a really good point um (laughs) i need to do more of that in terms of hey what do what do these players social medias look like in terms of hey if a coach goes through what are they going to find what is it going to look like right like making sure they're very professional um social media hasn't up until now it hasn't really been my strong suit i am focused more on that direction um a lot of it is you know, building the players into who they need to be, right? Um, and, and really navigating families on, okay, do you go to showcases? Do you go to tournaments, being able to advise them individually on what what's the right route to take here, right? Like, there's a lot of people with their hands out asking for a lot of money uh, for you to do a lot of these things. How do you, especially in, um, I don't even want to say that, just a family that's on a budget, right? How do you best allocate your resources to be able to maximize um, the way the kids are recruited? Um, yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's a uh, it's tough, man. I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily one right answer for it, just because there's there's so, there's so much nuance. There's so many players out there,
1: and social media is tough, right? Because it's it's so it's so watered down. Like everybody has a social media account. Everybody has a video. How do you stand out? There's video everywhere. Coaches are getting hundreds of emails daily, especially the higher end programs of different players with different videos. So I think really on the recruiting side, what I find social media is important as a frame of reference, but a lot of it comes back to um, relationship building, right? And having the right coaches in your corner that have those relationships with those coaches that can serve as an, as an intermediary that know the kid that know the program and can best lead you to that. Totally. Yeah. The, yeah. If you're utilizing social media
0: to, to try to get the attention of, of power five schools, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough unless you're a, a pitcher throwing mid nineties, right. Or just something, right. something, something. Yeah. I, I, it would just be hard for me to imagine if you're a position player, it would just be tough a pitching. I could see it,
1: but yeah. a position player would be, would be pretty, pretty hard to do. And I'll Uh, tell you, not not to cut you off, but 95 on the bump is going to get, that's going to travel faster via word of mouth than it will on social media. You know, like the power five schools are going to hear about it before it gets posted on Twitter.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 You know, like they're going to
1: get a text like, Hey, Johnny, you know, Johnny bananas over here is freaking 95 dominating, you know? I think social media is great for, so, you know, we just talked about the, the big time schools.
0: I think that right. social media is great though for the lower level schools because those schools are looking for players all the time and, and they, they do utilize it. I mean, everybody utilizes it for sure, but they, they really do utilize those smaller level schools because it's a great way. It's a competitive advantage for them. They can, they don't have the big budgets to be able to travel That's, all over the place. Yeah. And see players left and right, and so it it allows them to to in a sense compete with with some of those bigger programs.
1: One hundred percent. The the big part of that is the budget, right? Is yeah. and especially you have laws now. Um, I'll use California for an example. Um, <laughs> there's a California state law that that not to get too political, but it has to do with um, a lot of reproductive rights that they can't spend state funded money to go travel to Arizona. Really. So they have to then navigate a different way. They have to get money from their boosters. They have to all of that because Arizona is a state that, you know, has has different reproductive rights.
0: Oh, that's when, when did that happen?
1: Very recently last, yeah. maybe last month.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
1: Huh. yeah. Nice. So you're, seeing you're seeing interesting divides and that's a, that's a nuance, but that's a part of it. Right. So for, for smaller schools, like we have a really good relationship with Cal State Bakersfield. They're building an incredible program. Um, two guys I used to know, David, uh, I know, but had past relationships with David Tillison and Quinn Hawksworth, are assistant coaches over there. And they were just kind of, you know, talking through some of their issues. So they have to use, uh, what I see too on the travel side is the relationships with the college coaches are big because like, say during dead period, they can't come see our guys but if we have a relationship we can bring our guys to them so they can hold they can host camps or one day events or what have you where they host canes west or they host you know a certain six teams so they can they can bring we we can take the players to them when they can't come see us so the recruiting process keeps going
0: how do you Educate the parents and Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and be honest with them when it comes to the recruiting process and where their kid stands right now. And I always make sure to say right now. Right. You're you're not a power five player yet, but he's not right now.
1: So that's a little difficult for me because. Because of my, my story, like I ended up, you know, going to the University of Washington, I was, I was a power five player, but I didn't know I was going to the University of Washington until five weeks before a port date. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I mean, it's a complete, it's an outlier, right? It's an anomaly, but I leave room for in families' minds through these conversations for, hey, y- you got to leave your mind open to what's possible, right? Because you you never know what kind of doors can open for you in the blink of an eye. Um but yeah a lot of it with parents is um asking the right questions, right? Um I'm big on again going back to culture. Okay, what is it that do I just want to go to the biggest power five program or do I need to identify what the right fit is? Like hey, like am I looking to just have a big social media post and <laughs> uh, go viral and this and that. And then all of a sudden, uh, because I didn't really think about my options, uh, they have three outfielders and I'm the fifth outfielder and I've never been away from home and I'm not comfortable being out of state and I've never been away from my parents. I don't know how many like ultra talented guys that I see bounce back, you know, not necessarily, I'm not saying my guys are this or that, but it's just a thing in the industry. We're very close to Palomar college, one of the top, uh, community colleges in California you know you might make Palomar's roster as this is just for say JUCO guys right you might make Palomar's roster in, in the fall <laughs> and then soon as the division one winter comes all of a sudden you got five division one bounce backs and now you don't have a job right because they know that they get those guys into school and um yeah. So you 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 really have to know and understand the culture of the program and really what the right fit is. If you're a big power hitter, um, you know, maybe going to a school that forces you to hit the ball on the ground the other way is not not really the way to do it. What are your thoughts on trying
0: to find the right fit? Right. And kids wanting, you know, a big school, a small school, uh, out of state, close to home. I kind of have my own thoughts on it, but I want to hear yours.
1: Okay, I'm super curious to hear your thoughts okay but, um, I think it comes back to knowing who you are. You have to know who you are and you have to know like I have kids that um there's an area around us called Valley Center. It's a very unique area in San Diego that's like super rural they produce um a, the most uh they have the highest avocado production in Southern California like it's very you know, you go 25 minutes in one direction and you're, you're talking about a very different world that's got a totally small town feel. If that's what you've grown up with and you don't know any different, like, you know, I have kids that won't end up going to big schools because that's not familiar to them. Right. Like you look at, you know, we have a lot of homeschool kids, you know, the homeschool, especially in kind of more blue states you see more conservative families the rates are doubled the homeschool rates have doubled since 2020 um if not two and a half by this point so you're looking at a lot more kids that are not in you know every day in populations with a couple thousand kids what's that going to be like if you're getting recruited to a power five school and you go from dude i do i do homeschool with a small co-op of like 20 kids to go into the University of Washington where you're like dude, there's liable to be 50,000 people on campus at any time. Wait you did homeschool? I did not do homeschool no so I was very familiar I went to one of the uh super large high school like eight or nine hundred people graduating class like it was massive um so transitioning to that is a big deal but if you if if you grew up in a small town right that might be Great. But if you grow up, say, in a big city and then you try to go to, I don't know why Oregon State's coming to mind, right? You go to Corvallis, it's a lot smaller of a town. It's a real college town. There's not like big city life and things to do. And they run an amazing program, right? But just figuring out, okay, what is it? Who am I? And what are the things that are important to me? Like identify the things within yourself rather than looking outside of, you know, oh, this is flashy. Oh, this looks sexy.
0: What about, what about the kids, though, who aren't Power 5 kids? Would you give them the same advice?
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, even outside of Power 5, there's a lot of, say, state schools or public-funded universities versus, say, more private schools. Um, like, uh, like going to, say, a UC San Diego, right? They're in the Big West. I'm just using my area as demographic. They're in the Big West. Um, they're, they just crossed over to division two. They're still a big public funded university versus say like a point Loma Nazarene, who was one of the top two or three, they went to the college world series for division two last year. There's like 3000 people on campus at any given time. Right. So it's, it's that level of, okay, what, what do I want? What's important to me? What are also, what am I acclimated to? Right. If you've never been around. Fifty thousand people in one spot at the same time like that's going to be a big adjustment while you're also trying to figure out how do i how do i compete in school how do i live away from home how do i you know win a job in this program
0: yeah i think it's so i think we have like the the power five kids right because they have they right. have options they have options that totally. you know everybody wants them they can go to they can kind of pick and choose big school small school all that stuff but i would say that i mean the majority of the kids aren't power five players. Like they aren't the top recruits. They're not. And so I think for a lot of those kids, you know, they, they may want to go to a big school. They may want to go to a small school, but a lot of times it's not really up to them, right? Because it's, you got to go where you're wanted. You're not in the position necessarily. A lot of times from what I've seen, you you don't have eight offers or six offers and you may target schools that you want big schools or whatnot, but they may be like, they're not interested. And so I think just for a lot of kids, it's you kind of gotta go where you're wanted. And Fair so enough. it becomes like, where can you go that you get a you get the chance to compete and then you get a, a good education? And I get like some kids want small school or big school or whatnot, but I mean, unless you're a top player, it's gonna be hard for you to, to pick and choose.
1: Totally. And that's that's really where that's a lot of what it comes down to for me is um Everybody wants to go to the, the, the big schools, but not everybody's willing to do what it takes to get into those big schools. Like, what are your what are your daily actions every day? How hard do you really train? How much are you pressing in? how much like how focused on your diet are you right? Like, if you want those things, I don't ever want to lower a kid or a family's threshold of the goal, the, the goal that they want to achieve right? I don't ever want to lower that, that dream, that dream bar of what I want, because that was what I always wanted. And I just, it happened, right? But I was also willing to every single day, put the freaking work in, you right. know, so that's what I would encourage families of is like, hey, you're not if, if they're not reaching out to you right now, you're not that guy right now, but you can take a ton of action in your own life that can shift that in six months from it. you have no You have no idea what's possible. If you radically alter uh, the beliefs that you have about yourself and the actions that you take, you can change your circumstances in three months.
0: Troy, how many, how many players do you think never reach their potential because they don't, they don't believe that they deserve to have success?
1: I mean, everyone has that to some sort of a degree, right? Like I even have that right now as I'm getting ready to launch into business, you know, like, there's a lot of, and just to just to be vulnerable, like I struggle with some self worth issues, mm-hmm. right? Like you, like I have um, things from my childhood that were like, oh, I need to earn this, oh, I need to prove yeah. that I'm this, oh, I need to be this. It and can't that. be
0: this easy, yeah.
1: Right, right. I can't just like passively receive what it is that I want. Or I can't. It, it up until now, it's been difficult to believe. Like, no, actually, like I'm worthy of all these good things, you know. So. That's a that's another layer of, you know, some of the offers and the opportunities that I'm going to be providing for people that mm-hmm. I want to work with guys that are really committed, really dedicated that want to say, okay, you know, I'm willing to lay it all on the line, because what I dream of matters. And, you know, a kid with a kid that has a dream that's alive, that, that believes in their potential, stays out of trouble, is capable of... Us as human beings are far more capable of, of what we conceive for ourselves. Like our potential is so far beyond um, the ceilings that we put on ourselves, right? But we got oh, to be. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It takes a lot more than just the action, as well, right? Like, how many people do you, I'm saying, you know, I know, what have you, to the audience, how many people do you know that, you know, are let's just use general population for example go on a weight loss journey right they're obese or very overweight they lose 90 pounds and then a year later they gain 82 back like you can willpower your way through a lot of things but if you don't change what's going on in here right you'll always find your way back like like you'll always find that true north that you've that that we've designated for ourselves so if we don't take a look at what's going on under, underneath the surface and it goes like that's the holistic part of this for, for me in terms of the company that I'm starting, right? It goes in baseball. We talk a lot about, okay, all the physical training. And then we say, okay, the game's 90% mental. Okay, we don't do any mental training. But there's even a layer below that, below the, the mindset of, hey, what's going on? What's going on in here? What's going on in my heart? What do I believe about myself that is you know, either enabling my potential or disabling my potential. And a lot of that too, is working with families and parents, right? What kind of an atmosphere are parents and families setting at home? Like, how are they pouring in? Are they speaking life into their kids or are they, you know, like, is it always criticism? Um, one of the amazing lines that I got from uh, someone on my summit was they're like, Hey, when it comes to being a parent, like do Asking your kid, like if you're a dad, ask your kid, hey, do you want me to be dad right now? Or do you want me to be coach? <sighs> like, if if dad is only coach, you don't ever develop that like, relationship where you're like, okay, how like, as an athlete, do I feel loved? Mm-hmm. Do I feel cared for? Do I feel safe to fail? And not that you want to fail. But if I don't ever feel safe to fail, like there's going to be issues going on within me. I'm yeah. always going to be proving and earning and, you know, yeah. like, man, working for love, which is not, it's not how it works.
0: Yeah. It, it's it, funny you say that because I was, I it was, I overheard my dad talking to a couple of the parents mm-hmm. um, and just kind of giving them advice. And he, cause like one of the parents helped coach and he's like, just trust me from experience. Like you can be dad or you can be coach, but you can't be both. at least at the same time right 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 so i think that's that's part of it is is just understanding it's hard because there's there's so many nuances to that necessarily and and who it is and everything but yeah parent coaching
1: is not easy no but also circling back a little bit um if we can alter the belief systems that we have it opens up the door for unlimited possibility right? Like you might think, uh, you know, oh, I I don't deserve this or I'm not good enough for that or blah, blah, blah. But if you can, if we can shift that or when we shift that, you know, like the doors of what's possible, what's attainable are just, they're, they're limitless, man. You could end up, you could believe somewhere in your heart that, oh, I'll I'll never be this. I'll never be a division one player. I'll never be that. But you know you could you could shift that belief and end up as a great division 1 player or even a professional player making tens of millions of dollars like how many guys are not like you know the the tatises or you know for me i grew up playing against bryce harper right like you knew when bryce harper was freaking 10 11 12 years old that he was a once in a decade player right like that's just it was just it was very obvious Um, but if you're not that guy, there are still a ton of big leaguers that make massive amounts of money in their career and create incredible impact really. Cause it's more than the money. It's about the influence and the impact and the relationships and how you're able to inspire millions and millions of people through getting to play a game on television, right? Like it's, it's bigger than just the money, but the money is important. Um, and, and guys are able to become that. Right. By, by just believing they are, by refusing to quit, by having something in them that when things go hard, they don't quit. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is, is, you know, even if you have had a, those self doubts, which we all have and, and they they constantly come up time and time again, and it's like, you feel like you can't get through them. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be like that. And so don't give up that, that hope that just because it's always been, one way it's going to be like that forever like you are still the the creator right and so you can you can change it may even if you've been even if you've had them for years and years maybe even your entire life yeah it doesn't
1: mean that you can't change them human beings are made in the image and likeness of god that means we have the creator in us so if i look at my reality What am I, like, what am I creating? I have creative ability within me. So what is the reality that I'm creating? And if it's not the reality that I want, let's just pause, take a deep breath and look at it and say, okay, what is it? What is it that I believe about myself that is creating this result? And yeah.
0: No, I think that's it's all great stuff. It's all all really good stuff. So you were, the last thing I want to hit on, you were Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. You had a great, great college career. Take me through yes, a little sir. bit of, of your own recruiting in high school, getting in, getting into college, like a little bit of, of yourself as a, as a pitcher.
1: Yeah. Um, my big breakout year in high school was my junior year. So that's kind of where the, the recruiting journey started. I had maybe done like one showcase. Right. But that wasn't something that we chased. Um, And when I was a junior, I had the opportunity, um, I played against our division or our conference rival was that, that year was the number one high school team in the country. Um, who was that Edison high school, Edison high school in 2012, they had, um, a guy named Henry Owens, who was a supplemental first rounder, six foot eight left hander up to 94. Um, they had, the lopes brothers uh timmy and christian lopes who timmy was a year younger but he was a second rounder and i believe christian was a fourth rounder and then um eric folia or eric snyder who was their center fielder who ended up being the college world series mvp for ucla um so that was our division rival and i go up to my coach and i say like i was the i've always profiled really well out of the bullpen um I know starters get more recruited, but like it just fit my personality really well. Come in, run in, save the day, shut the door, all the things. Um, and yeah, I just I go up to my coach. I wasn't a starter at that point, And I say, hey, like whoever you have starting this game is not. They don't want this the way that I do. They don't have what it takes to like stand up to freaking Goliath and um, and compete. Right, I'm gonna give you everything that I have. I want the baseball. Give me the ball. He's like, done. I get the ball. I start. It wasn't like, oh, I threw a shutout and this and that or blah blah blah. But I went pitch for pitch with, you know, a supplemental first rounder with everybody there, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the schools there because they're there to see those guys and everyone else that they have. Um, I started getting letters from, you know, the UCLA's, the Riverside's, the Irvine's, the Fullerton long beat like every everybody in Southern California was pretty much at that game and now knew who I was like I think I went five innings and gave up four or five runs but so did he right and we just competed back and forth and it was just it was a dogfight. It was a dogfight and then um, yeah, um, I ended up that summer I got invited to area codes um, and then was on a scout team and all the things I go to an area code tryout. And I want to be careful of, of how I share this story because for a long time I shared it from a place of being a victim. Um, and I don't look at that at it that way anymore. And there's complete and total forgiveness and all of those things. And I'm not looking to um, drag anybody through the mud with this, you know? Okay. Uh, I'm sure to kind of speak on on what happened. Um, so uh, I go to an area code tryout. I believe I throw... Th- like eight to maybe 11 pitches to, to three batters. Right. I go one, two, three, I'm like 87, 88, heavy sink, decent feel for breaking ball. And, um, I get a call from, uh, UC Santa Barbara and it's like, it's a, it's a freaking huge offer, you know, 90% all like it was a big time offer. And it was, um, the coach's first year there. And they were really building something special and I'm like done, So take a visit, um, accept the offer, all the things Um, over the course. And this is where I'll take really a lot of responsibility for what happened is over the course of from then, from this was August 1st, uh, going into uh, between my junior and senior year from then until May, I got one, I got arrogant, right? So I just thought, oh, like, I got to do it like I was the only guy on my team that had a had a division one scholarship. So I'm like, Oh, I'm the freaking man, blah, blah, blah. I didn't treat people well. Um, I got on the physical side, I got very big. I was probably 205 when they signed me and I was 220 to 222 ish. Big, bulky, thick, we had a coaching change, the long toss program changed. So I got big and bulky. I lost mobility. Uh, my attitude really shifted. I went from just being a super hungry bulldog to like, oh man, I like, I got this, or, you know, like I've got this all in the bag. And my VLO dropped from like 87, 88 to like 82, 83. Mm. And we had guys at my high school that had risen to the ranks, and we had one of the top. Uh, right-handed pitchers in the state the top right-handed pitcher in the state who was a sophomore take my job and like all of a sudden I'm panicking I end up not um, I end up not getting accepted into UC Santa Barbara and a lot of it was performance-based a lot of but rightfully so right like you can't have a kid that you promised 90% is Nine or ten percent of your total budget for players. You can't have a kid that you're like, okay, he could be our midweek or Sunday guy and be like this level, you know, at some point to do. You don't even compete. At, like I wouldn't have won a roster spot on that. You know, it's like yeah. I can't have him show up on campus like this. Um So they pulled your offer after I signed to the NLI. How? So how's how does that work?
0: <laughs> how does uh, that work? <laughs>
1: when you don't get when I didn't get admitted into the school, like my acceptance letter didn't get accepted, then they can't honor a scholarship. Oh, so there was some behind the scenes stuff, then there was some behind the scenes. It wasn't like I had like, awful grades, but they just, you know, I I take responsibility for my side of it. And I'm super grateful it didn't work out. Because, you know, there's more there's more to my story, I probably would have partied my way out of Santa Barbara and failed and all of those things. Um, and got myself into trouble if i'm being perfectly honest you know i was uh quite the wild 18 19 20 year old um and yeah so i ended up basically not going to uc santa barbara i find out super late yeah when uh, did
0: you find out you did it because you signed in november right and then when did you find out you actually didn't get into the school may whoa so you had the signing day celebration all that I stuff found on out winter spring school. played the season and then and pretty much at late in the high after the high school season you found out you didn't get in
1: uh it was on senior day no it was on senior day and I'm sitting there in tears with and me and my mom are crying like oh my god and the whole thing it was awful but what I'll say is that sparked an incredible level of hunger in me and had that not happened, there's no way I would have achieved what I did at UW, right? Um, that kind of came about with the door just opened for, and there's a little bit more to the story. Um, well, there, so
0: so so in May, Yeah. in May, you didn't get in. And so what- Well, what? I just, I, re- I
1: reached out because I'm like, hey, like, what's up with the acceptance? Like, I haven't gotten an acceptance letter from the school. Like, everybody I know is getting acceptance letters. And they're like, well- um yeah actually like we put it your application went in but like you didn't get accepted into the school and maybe you should go to a junior college or that's what the baseball uh, coach said it's like you know maybe you're not division one material that was that was a quote that i got from a certain coach it wasn't the head coach it was a certain coach
0: but it was it was one of the baseball coaches
1: maybe you're not division one material which if i think about my childhood and the we go back to the not good enough and the I don't deserve and I'm not worthy. Like you were, that line validated everything that I was like trying to, that I was always trying to prove everybody wrong. Like, no, yeah, I am good enough. I am, you know, I uh, just, yeah. So that's, that's what happened. And it's a, we ended up, my mom is very social justice and legal minded and all of that. And it uh-huh. went to sp- it went to small claims court and oh, there's, really? there's this is whole, it's a whole thing, bro.
0: Whoa. So what happened after that?
1: So I got super hungry and just decided like, okay, I'm going to, I committed to uh, orange coast college with uh, coach Alta God rest his soul. Um, he so was could, in the Kobe Bryant. He was helicopter crash. Right. Okay. He was huge impact person in uh, Southern California baseball humongous incredible person um I so I I committed to go there but I'm going to keep playing summer ball in my last summer ball game um I got the opportunity to pitch in front of UW it was UW and USC and both schools had like lost some they had lost two kids to the draft that they didn't expect to sign like 30 something rounders that signed out of high school and then um uh, bah, 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 bah. And then they had two guys that they were that were going to come back and fill roles that both had to get TJ. So like the right door opened at the right time. The story goes something like they saw 13 different play or they saw they went to 11 different states in 13 days looking for players and like specifically arms. And I was one of the two guys that they found. Um, and like that game that I had the opportunity in, I knew uh man, you want to talk about like that, uh, the m M&M, like lose yourself. Like yeah. you got one shot, one moment, this, that, this was like, okay, I got one shot at everything I've ever wanted. Like all I had ever dreamed about, it wasn't even about the big leagues. All I had ever dreamed about, um, was being a college baseball, like star, like that's all I ever wanted out of life. Like whatever happens after that, heck with it. But like, I want to be great in college baseball because that's the coolest thing ever. Um, and I got the opportunity to play in front of UW and USC. And I go, I knew it and rose to the occasion. It was probably like 85, 86 was sink. Um, had like lost some weight and gotten in shape and all that stuff kind of moved away from the lifting still lifted heavy, but not only that, you know? Um, and, but the hunger and the belief was really what it came down to that day. It was like, no, I, I'm going to make this happen. Um, And the second hitter of the game gets a hit, and then I get the next 14 guys out in a row. Nice. So just, like, one of the sickest games of my life. Like, just seized the moment, got a call, got an opportunity. And then 365 days later, on August 1st, um, I end up signing a scholarship to go to UW, which was five days before – or five weeks before report date.
0: Wow. And then – So so you – Wait a sec. So you signed to go to yeah. UW, heading into your freshman year of college.
1: Post senior year.
0: Okay. So that so that fall you ended up going to UW.
1: I did. Okay. Okay. Did. That gotcha. fall I, that fall I ended up at UW, and I was like, we had fourteen pitchers. I was probably twelve or thirteen on the depth chart. You know, like I had a lot. Like I was in school with guys that had known they were going there since their freshman and sophomore year of high school. Yeah. That like, turn down draft money to come to school. I'm right, like, yeah. Oh man, I'm up against it here. Like, but I also got this huge chip on my shoulder because I'm going to prove people wrong and this and that and blah, 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 blah. So like, I just, I worked and I wasn't, um, that was the, that was the difference maker is I just, I, like I made a decision that like I'm not going to be soft. You know, like, we had a ton of talented players and like the, the, the thing that's going to separate me is, being super coachable and being incredibly like tough and durable. And like, I'm just going to run, I'm, I'm going to run through fire. Like I'm going to run through fire and do whatever it takes to be successful here because, you know, I've had the opportunity taken away. Right. Mm-hmm. And have that, um, that really survival instinct when, it, when, when you approach to, okay, I'm on campus. Like I haven't arrived you never, we never arrive in life, but like I haven't arrived here, so I'm just going to get after it. And I won some innings my freshman year and then sophomore year became the closer. And then junior year, started the year as our Friday guy, but then it made more sense to close. And then um, senior year, um, I turned down money in the draft. I was a late draft pick as a junior and turned down money to come back for a senior year, got a full ride for senior year and then set the world on fire and like led the country in ERA whip and saves until the outing that I blew my UCL out, which was week. There were four games left in the season. Pac-12 pitcher of the year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Pac-12 pitcher of the year. Yes, sir. As a closer
0: story. That's a great story. I love it.
1: So I just want to encourage and and for anybody out there that's like, oh, man, I'm not getting the offers or the doors aren't opening like the door can open like that. But once the door opens, man, you got to run through that freaking thing. You got to kick that door down and come in guns blazing and be that guy that when everyone else went, oh, I'm tired of this or that, like come out and work hard, like like make the decision that who I was. I, I decided that I was a warrior. Right. And so I'm going to be that guy like regardless come hell or high water I'm going to be a warrior in this situation in this moment so I just want to encourage everybody that's watching this if you're a player like the doors will open for you the doors will open for you and when they do don't take them for granted right run through it you never know what's possible awesome stuff Troy I appreciate you coming on the show man it's been a ton of fun been
0: great Thanks, to uh to learn more about you and your story what what's 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 a way that someone can reach out and connect with you or is there some place they can go to
1: to to watch some of your your content like what where do, yeah. how, where should they go social media is great it's at troy rawlings rawlings is with two l's instead of a w like the baseball company um but what i want everybody to do is from november 1st to november 21st we're going to be launching the holistic baseball training summit um, where you get to watch all these videos for free. And the URL for that is holistic baseball, holistics with a W, holistic baseball.com. So we'll if you put the a, links in the show notes. Perfect. So holisticbaseball.com, go there. You're going to get access to a ton of different interviews. We go into recruiting, we go into training, we go into nutrition, we go into faith, we go into what do you, you know, the belief stuff, all of it. Um, so I can't wait to see you guys over there. Patrick, awesome. thank you so much, man. This has been so fun.
0: Proud, man.